Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. When you have a to-do list, which group are you going to be in? I'm not talking about just like a couple of things, but you've got like 10 things on your to-do list. We tend to fall into one of two categories, and I want to ask you which group you're a part of. So listen for both groups, and then I'll have you raise your hands here in just a second, okay? This is group participation. All right, are you in group A, and group A is the group that does the easy, enjoyable things first? Like you run through the list and I want to do all of these things because it's easy, it's enjoyable, it's fun, and I save the hard things for later. And you probably already know who group B is. Group B is the group that does the hard and difficult things first so that once they've expended all that energy on that, then all that's left is the good fun stuff. All right. Who's in group A does the easy stuff first? Come on. If you're online, you can type which which group you're in. Put it in the comments. Okay, that's group A. Keep them up. Let me see. All right, how many of you are in group B? Oh, look at this. I am shocked in in our day and age that we would do something like that. It's great. I'm glad that we have a lot of group B here because today we're going to do group B work with our passage. We're going to be in this passage for the next five weeks looking at the characteristics of God. Yahweh is the name of God in the Old Testament that he declares to Moses means I will be who I will be. And we're going to see what that means and who this God says that he will be throughout all of this. So we're going to look at this today. You're going to see what it means as we're all a part of group B. I think you're going to find out where the difficult passage is as we read this together. So let's look at the hard part first. We're going to read the whole passage, but then we're going to dive in on the difficult part. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 and 7. Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 and 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Yahweh passed before him. That would be Moses is him. Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love, steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. It's the Word of God for the people of God, both here and online. And our response is, Thanks be to God. I hope you'll be able to say that with a little more conviction when we get to the end. 
I think you know where the hard and difficult part is going to be. And we're going to jump in right there. But I want us to look at this because our tendency is to love all of the attributes that verse 6 declares. When Yahweh declares His name and declares who He is as God, He says these beautiful things. He's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We love those, and we'll get to those in the next few weeks. But today is group B on our list, right? We love the beginning of verse 7 even, because it goes on to say, He keeps steadfast love for the thousandth generation, that He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. Believe it or not, I think we're all probably okay with even the next line of the verse, that He by no means clears the guilty. I mean, it's not just a blank check that's out there. His mercy doesn't mean we just get to do what we want. He's going to hold accountable. There's a sense of rightness and justice with God. For Him to be good, that there has to be some encounter and dealing with sin and brokenness in our world. But then, even though we want God to have justice, it takes a difficult turn for all of us. This passage becomes very difficult for our modern ears to hear. And especially when it is translated from an ancient language like Hebrew into a modern language like English. It's going to be difficult when we hear that God visits the iniquities of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. What does this mean? I mean, this sounds like God punishes them. In fact, if you have the NIV version in front of you right now, it will say that, that He punishes the iniquities of the Father upon the children, the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What is this all about? Do you see why this is the difficult part? And why, if we're going to read this passage over the next five weeks, I don't want to wait till week five. Let's do this now so we can really get in to those other things that are so, so good. Because this just sounds awful. This sounds terrible. Yesterday I had the privilege of babysitting my goddaughter Lily. There she is. Isn't she cute? And And I thought... As, I, as I'm thinking, as I'm holding her and she's crawling around and she's playing with the teddy bear that we brought her from Ireland and all these kinds of things. And I'm thinking, okay, I know, I know Tim and Kara. I love them. I'm sure they've done a few things wrong here and there. It would be mortifying to punish little Lily for something that Tim and Kara did a long time ago. Don't you think that? Are you with me here? Does this make sense? This is yes. This is no. Yes. We have this sense that this doesn't seem right. So whenever you have that kind of sense, it's worth asking some questions. And it's okay to ask some questions. And that's part of my job to ask those questions as well. But we're going to look at this. Because as awful as it sounds, there is... It is actually going to be better than what it sounds to you and me today. So I'm going to ask you to hang in there 
because we're going to look at this passage. Our goal in this series is to do two things. Are you ready? Number one, all these five weeks, we're going to be studying the character of God the Father. The one that Jesus says, if you've seen Him, Jesus, you have seen the Father. We're going to be looking at the character of God the Father throughout this passage. And what this God declares about Himself. But number two, we are also going to explore the call on your life and my life to carry God's character out into our world. And that's where it's going to get interesting for us. We're going to have to do some wrestling. And I, I hope you will wrestle through this, this understanding. What does it mean for us to be what later on Peter will say, a kingdom of priests? To represent God's character out into our world. This passage is repeated over and over, either in the whole or in part, 20 different times in the Old Testament and even makes its way into the New Testament. So it seems like a pretty important passage for us to spend a little time doing some hard work, doesn't it? You even heard it in the psalm that was read today by Marilyn. A little snippet of it found its way into the psalm. So let's jump in. Let's dive in here. But let's first pray for God's guidance, shall we? Father, this is a seemingly difficult passage. Guide our hearts by your Spirit. May we trust that Jesus is who he says he is. The perfect representation of you. And may we see this even in a difficult passage today. We pray in your name. Amen. So today's characteristic is God is slow to anger. Let's all say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Slow to anger. Now, what does that mean? You know me. I'm going to teach you a little Hebrew here. There's a tension in this passage, though, before we get to the Hebrew. There is a tension in this passage that although God is slow to anger, we have this section at the end that says he doesn't declare the, the guilty, you know, uh, he doesn't declare innocent the ones who are guilty, and he visits the iniquities upon the children and the grandchildren and so on and so forth. There's a tension that's within this passage. Let's look at these two things. First, let's look at slow to anger. The slow to anger is two words in Hebrew. So today you get almost a Hebrew phrase. Aren't you excited? We're graduating. Next level here. Slow to anger, the Hebrew phrase for slow to anger are two words, Eric apayim. So let's say the first word first. Ready? One, two, three, Eric. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Eric. And let's say it again. One, two, three. Eric. Second word is the word apayim. Ready? One, two, three. Apayim. One, two, three. Apayim. One, two, three. Apayim. All right. Now let's say it all together. This is going to be good. Two words together. You're going to be Hebrew scholars after this. Ready? One, two, three. Eric apayim. Very good. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Eric Apayim. Now, what does Eric Apayim mean? Literally, Eric Apayim means long of nose. I'm not kidding. Long of nose. Now, why is, why is long of nose used with slow to anger? 
Because the, the Hebrew writers were very poetic and they would often look at what happens within a person and within the body, spatial expressions and all kinds of things to describe emotions. And so when it comes to anger in the Bible, the words that are used there, I'm not going to teach them to you today to confuse you, but is you are hot of nose. Whenever you see anger in the Bible, really, literally what it says is they were hot of nose. One example is when uh, Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph, Potiphar, uh, of, of wanting to sleep with her, of trying to take advantage of her. Potiphar gets hot of nose. I mean, think about it, honestly, like... You just, you know, when you're seething with anger, there's, there's a heat and a temperature and it just seems to focus right in this area. You are hot of nose. I mean, it's not too far off from something we have today. I mean, what do we say when someone's always angry or easily angered? We say they're what? A hothead. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's very similar that someone is hot of nose when they are angry. But to be long of nose means that it takes a long time for the anger to get all the way in to make you hot and mad. I don't know if you want to think about it as a long fuse. I I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe this is where the author of Pinocchio got his ideas. But there's, it means... To be long of nose is, means it takes a long time to make you angry, hot, or mad. And this is an attribute that God declares about himself. And so that's important that we should pay attention to it. Because the truth is that we often feel like this. That I thought God, the Old Testament, God was always angry. Quick to anger. I mean, just all kinds of things that happen in the Bible. But no, God says about Himself, I am long of nose. I am erikapayim. I am slow to anger. How do we hold these together? Well, it doesn't mean that God never gets angry. It just says that He is slow to anger. In fact, God is angry with Israel as He is declaring to Moses that He is slow to anger. If you're unfamiliar with this story, God chose the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, through you, I'm going to restore the world through your family. Eventually, this family continues to grow and ends up as slaves in Egypt. But Yahweh comes to them and says, I have heard your cries and I'm going to deliver you. And he rescues them with many miracles from the land of Egypt in slavery. And then Yahweh provided for them in the wilderness, even though they grumbled and complained. And even many times said out loud, I wish we could go back to Egypt. Then Yahweh invites this fickle people. Israel to be his representatives out into the world and they wholeheartedly agree yes whatever you say Yahweh we will do and then a few days later they're worshiping a golden calf idol and saying this is the guy who brought us out of Egypt I mean anything like that happened for us we would be furious but God is up And he and Moses have a difficult conversation back and forth. 
But it leads us to ask the question, how is Yahweh going to maintain loyal love with such fickle representations? Well, one of the ways is that he's going to be slow to anger. Verse 6, he's going to be patient with them. He's not just going to jump at every single negative behavior that comes along. In verse 7, one of the other ways he's going to deal with it is that he's going to forgive iniquity and transgressions and sins. He's going to be slow to anger and he's going to forgive. This is important. But what about that grandkids part? Pastor Jeff, get there. This still doesn't make sense. Hold on, hold on. We'll get there. First, we need to do a comparison. So look there at verse 7 where it says that God, that it begins and ends with these things that are meant for us to compare. It says that God keeps steadfast love. We're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. For the thousandth generation that's your great 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 a thousand times great grandkids that's far out there like i can't even think that far yet he visits the iniquities of the parents on the children to the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth what does this mean we're looking at god's steadfast love and kindness for thousands of generations visiting the iniquities three or four generations. We're meant to understand by looking at this comparison that the balance of God's scales always tips towards mercy. Did you need to hear that this morning? The balance of God's scales always tip towards mercy and forgiveness and compassion. But for God to be a truly good God, He cannot just let harm and evil and sin continue with no consequences whatsoever. We would not trust a God who did that. And so there is this tension and this balance that builds. God's mercy does not give us free reign to just do whatever we want to whoever we want, whenever we want, however we want. So we've got to hold that. Yes, mercy, grace, compassion, forgiveness, and you can't do that. God is the God who is always longing to call the best life out of who He created you to be. And when we move away from that, God is patient and slow to anger and yet comes and challenges and says, this cannot be. Sometimes God does that through consequences. Sometimes God does that through prophets. Sometimes God does that through a revelation. However God does that, He holds this tension, this balance between mercy and compassion and grace and slow to anger. And we can't do this. This isn't good for you or the world. And I'm going to step in in this moment. He by no means clears the guilty. It means that He doesn't declare that they're 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 innocent when they're not. Yahweh is able to hold the tension, slow to anger, yet saying the guilty are not innocent at this point. But what about the grandkids? Okay, we're finally here. Are you ready? Because some of you have grandkids and you're worried. Let's look at this. It seems like God is punishing innocent children 
and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But I want us to look at this because this has really led to some horrible theology where a parent does something and that means then that there's some kind of generational curse that begins in the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and all of those kinds of things. Folks, can I say that is not biblical, that is karma. Our God is the God who holds the tension between His mercy and His slow to anger, His patience, and you just can't do that in setting a boundary. Just like you and I do with our kids and our grandkids and my great-grandkids if I ever get to meet them. Let's look at this. I want you to see this because I think it all changes with the Hebrew word that is actually used here for the word visits, or in some of your translations, punishes. And it is the Hebrew word pokad. Let's say that together. This is a very important word. Ready? One, two, three. Pokad. Let's say it again. One, two, three. Pokad. Let's say it one more time. Pokad. And the most frequent usage of this word is the word that pokad means is attends to. This is the same word that is used in Exodus 3.16. I want to read this to you because this is God, Yahweh, sending Moses to gather the people of Israel who are in slavery. And he says, I want you to tell them this, Moses. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have pokad. I have attended to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. God didn't come to punish them because of what had been done to them in Egypt. They were already being punished. They were already under a yoke of slavery and in bondage. God has come to attend to them. He declares He has seen them and begins to tell them what He is going to do. Yahweh then pokads the iniquity of the parents upon the children to the fourth generation. Yahweh attends to the iniquities of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. Does that shift something for you? I believe it should. That God, in His ability to hold the tension, never gives up searching, attending to, in the hope that they, the parents, the kids, the grandkids, the great-grandkids, to the third and fourth generation, will find the hope that they will turn to Him so that He can be merciful and compassionate, gracious, show, and they would declare that He is slow to anger, that He is for them, not against them, but He will hold them to account. That being held to account is a good thing for you, for me, and for our world. This is important. This isn't about God punishing. This is about God's patience. This isn't about God causing pain to poor children. It's about God's pursuit of all of us, of all of His children. This isn't about a God who is always mad. It is about a God who is led by His mercy. And church, 
we need to be able to declare this to those around us. That Yahweh never gives up on us. And didn't we see that modeled in Jesus? (laughs) Who went to the woman at the well when everything told him he shouldn't. And yet he went. And he held her to account. And she ran off with joy saying, come meet the one who's told me everything I've ever done. When a woman was brought to him and thrown before him and the law said she should be stoned because she was committing adultery, Jesus deals with those who are about to throw the stone and then holds her to account and says, go and sin no more. This isn't good for you. I'm so grateful that this is the God that we serve. My grandfather's name was Merle. And Merle was raised in a Christian home. My, my great-grandmother was a preacher, believe it or not. But Merle became entangled, for whatever reasons I've never yet found out, in the throes of alcoholism that led him to be violent and angry and abusive, To the point where in the 1950s, I think it was probably, my grandmother had to take her whole family, my dad included, and move from California back to Oklahoma, divorce, which didn't happen in that day and age. And then the family was split even further because they had to be shipped out to aunts and uncles because grandma couldn't take care of that many kids all on her own and she had to figure out what she was going to do. And in all of that, although my dad's needs were provided, for he also began to be angry and began to use alcohol and and be abusive in those things but the god who is slow to anger through a little tiny nazarene church in visai oklahoma called him to account they also used the police as well But in that little tiny church, my dad met the God who is merciful and compassionate, gracious, who forgives iniquities and sins, and who will constantly pursue the children because he's going to attend to those iniquities to the third and the fourth generation. For my dad, it only took one generation. And I get to be the first generation of the thousand generations so that now I can declare to my son the goodness of God. And I hope someday he will declare to his children the goodness of God all the way out to the thousandth generation. I'm so grateful for a God who can hold that tension so well. But here comes the hard part for us, church, as we close today. Church, are we good representatives of this God? People online, are we good representatives of this God? Are we living in the tension between slow to anger and hold to account? Or are we spending the majority of our time holding to account? Like they're doing this wrong and that wrong and they voted wrong on that and I can't believe they did this and did... 
are we long of nose or hot of nose at the drop of a hat, at the next newscast, at the next tweet, at the next Facebook post, at the next Instagram reel? Are we representing this God well? That's a question we have to wrestle with. I hope we will always wrestle with this question. We'll come back to it in many forms, but we are called to represent the God who is gracious and merciful, filled with compassion to the thousandth generation. But he hold, He's slow to anger, but He holds the tension of calling to account as we deal with the brokenness and sin of the world. Are we slow to anger while attending that brokenness in people that leads to sin? Church, these are the questions we must wrestle with always. But I said last week, I also want to call us to experience, not just learn about, but to experience and know this kind of God. And so today I ask all of you, and you online, individually, have you heard good news in this passage today, in the difficult part of this passage today? Is there something that you today need God to attend to? You need Him to come. And maybe it's something that has been brought out of your past. Maybe even from your parents. Maybe it started at the grandparents. Maybe you're the great-grandchild of the fourth generation. The good news, if there's something that God needs to attend to in your life, some struggle, some problem, some addiction, some personality thing, whatever it may be, that God is here today, slow to anger, and He's coming to attend to that iniquity in your life. What is that? It's okay to be honest with this God today. As we bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer, I want that question to ring out in your heart. We're going to pray here and in a moment. I'm going to ask you to do something risky. You're not going to come to the altar this week, although those are there and they're always open. If you need to pray and you just want to, you can. But with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you be so bold as to share with me your pastor? Pastor, there is something that I need God to attend to in my life today. And I'd like for you to pray for me about it. I'm not going to pray for you by name out loud, but I am going to remember you in my prayers this week. If that's you, there's something that you need God to attend to today. Would you just raise your hand all over? Yeah, 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 okay, okay, many of you, yes, yes, thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, Yahweh, thank you for being a God who is compassionate and merciful. Thank you for being a God who is erikapayam, long of nose, slow to anger, but who holds the tension so beautifully that you will never stop pursuing to attend to those iniquities in our lives, those inequities in our lives, the sin in our lives, the brokenness in our lives, with the hope that we would turn towards you and see your grace, 
your mercy, your faithfulness, your everlasting love transform us from the inside out. Thank you, Father, for taking us through this difficult passage. It's tough to move from Bronze Age language to today. So help us to remember the good news in the midst of all of this. Father, there are many who raise their hands, and I'm sure there are friends online, and maybe even some who weren't quite ready to raise their hand yet today. I pray that they would sense that all they have to do is turn to you. All they have to do is declare where they're struggling. And your mercy, your grace, your loving kindness will meet them right where they are. Help us, Father, to be a church that declares that. Help us to be a church that lives in that tension with your help and strength to be slow to anger. And that even when we hold to account, we do it with grace and mercy. Hope for the person because we know that your faithful love transforms everything. Thank you that we can experience that because of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. May that happen for us today. Cause us to be representative of your character in our offices, our homes, our schools, and wherever you take us. For we pray and ask these things in the name of the Father who is for us the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us, one God forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and sisters, here and online, may you experience the gracious and merciful God this week. May His loving kindness shine upon you. May you, if necessary, be grateful for his slow to angerness, his long nose. May you sense that he is attending upon the iniquities to bring healing and hope. And may we go as representatives of a God who is slow to anger, lives in the tension withholding go and declare his strength, his goodness, his mercy, and his power in love. I pray this and bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great, great rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.